You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Good morning again, church fam. It's good to see you. Um, we are starting a new series today. It is called With, and it is our Christmas series. We're going to be focusing in on just the birth of Christ. And uh, if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. And I just want to make sure that we caught some of the things that Dom was talking about. Um, Ema is every mother's advocate. It is a ministry that we uh, love and do our best to support, and their center uh, headquarters is located here in our in our building. And so they are they are doing a toy drive for Christmas season. They work with moms who are at risk, who are in danger of you know losing their children to foster care system, or they're already in the foster care. They're trying to get them back, or you know basically we're trying. They are trying to prevent. Um, children being removed from homes. And so during Christmas time is the time where we can tangibly serve this ministry and give. And so we want you to be able to take, uh, take the invitation. We have some cards that you can take at the, at the Welcome Center, at the Connect Desk, and you can, you can find out all the information you need. But we need um, unopened gifts, $25, Toys for Kids, all ages, unopened, and they will take care of it. It'll go to the right place. This is a ministry you need to be aware of and you need to um, support because they are doing amazing things. And their founder um, and president and CEO and whatever title she has, director, executive director, is uh, Charlie Chavijan. And um, she's she and her husband, Matt, are part of our church, their family. We love them. And so we are... Uh, just always in support of what they are doing. If there's other things that you want to do for the Christmas season and you want to give in other ways, um, we, we, we have opportunity for that. And if uh, someone had texted the other day, like, oh, do you guys adopt a family or do anything? Like, we, we, will, we, will, we will help people in, in, in need and help people who need the extra blessing. So um, <clears throat> in our giving options, you can always find the Christmas blessing there, and you can give directly toward that, and we will, we will serve families uh, that need a little extra love during this time. And uh, hopefully you can participate in these areas. So, all right. Well, we are in Matthew chapter 1. Can you believe it's like Christmas time? Like we are, we are here. It's upon us. It's like Easter's tomorrow. I can't, I can't, can't believe it. So start preparing. Um, all right, let's stand together as we read uh, God's word here. We're going to be in Matthew Uh, Chapter 1, verse 18. This is what the Word of God says. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David... Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is God's word. Lord, use your word to change us, to impact us, to, to make us 
more aware of your great love for us and how you want to use us to change this world. We need you, God. Let your spirit bring these words to life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. We, we all, uh, I think it's safe to say for the most part, our life is hard to remember without cell phones. <laughs> how many of you went like, how many of you went like that just a second ago, okay? Right, we have these gentle reminders to let us know that our cell phones are there, that they are with us. Like we, I mean, I drive around sometimes and go, I don't know how I got anywhere before. I don't know how I called anybody because I don't know anybody's phone number. I, I just, it's unbelievable. I mean, I have my phone with me all the time. And what does it do, right? Like, what does it do to have that with you? It, it, it gives you a sense of, let's just be honest and real, of power, of confidence, of strength, of uh, assurance, connection. I mean, that's, that's what they do. I, I remember when my phone uh, like busted a couple years ago, I, I had to, something was wrong with the antenna or something, like I had to take it in. And I went to the mall, and I used an iPhone, and I went to the Apple store, and, you know, they... They needed to take it for like three hours or something. <laughs> I just like gave it away. And I'm like, it was so weird. I'm like roaming the mall, just going like, what do, what do I do? Like, what do I do with my hands? Like, how do, how, I'm like looking at people. I was like, I'm hungry. I'll go eat something. I like sat in the food court and I'll by myself, which I hate doing anyway. But now I'm like really alone. And I'm just like, well, let me just look around. I'm like, I felt so weird. I felt like I was like a stalker, like looking at people eating, like studying the environment around me. I was just so, I was so lost and felt so just like, like a piece of me was gone. It was like, all right, this is, this is not good. This is, I'm like, maybe I'll call, maybe I'll call somebody, you know, Nope, I don't know anyone's number. You know, like, it was just a weird time. And it, it's funny because we, we, we don't realize at times how attached and how, how much these things in our life matter. But they matter. It matters that my, it's the power of Something being with you. When it has power, what it can do for you, what it brings to your life. When my phone is with me, I'm different. I'm more productive, more useful. I'm, I, you know, at least whether it's imagined or real, but in some senses, it, it gives me opportunity to get to places I need to go. It gives me connection. It gives me answers to questions that I have. It gives me so much. And I know, look, this is an illustration, right? I'm, I'm overstating some things, but I don't think I'm so far off. And for some of us, for most of us in here that utilize these devices, especially the younger generations coming up, you, you can try to fight this battle, But understand that we are living in a world where these things are, are, are powerful and it's not just 
about the phone. We experience this withness with people. There, there is something that happens when your friends are around, when your friends are new. And you, like, not just any friend, like your crew, your people, they are, they are with you. You're walking with them. I mean, this is why people join gangs. This is why uh, certain gym communities, like fitness communities, get so powerful because you just you feel like you are together in something common and there's, there's someone who has your back. When the right person is with you, you are changed. This is the message of the gospel. It has nothing to do with your phone. It has everything to do with God. And this is the message of the gospel. This is the message of Christmas. We see this name, Emmanuel, come up. Emmanuel, God with us. There is something special about that. And that's what we're going to focus our attention on for the next four weeks as we get through Christmas. The power of with and how that impacts our lives. Christmas is a time when we think about the birth of Jesus. We call this event the incarnation. The incarnation. It's this idea of the, the eternal clothing himself in flesh. The f- infinite putting on the finite. John 1, 1 and 14, we know this, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. These are big words, and, and, and sadly, man, they, you know, they become common to us. And maybe you're new to the Christian faith. Maybe, you, maybe you've not been to church very much, or you've not heard this stuff being taught. But yet, I bet you've heard some of these scriptures. And, and in the Christmas time, they come out a lot. And, you know, we're really bold, and we're big lights, and, like, Jesus is the reason. And, you know, we, we, like, get really animated about, like, let's put the Christ back in Christmas. But are we... Are we just putting signs up? Put your signs away and just let your life be a sign of something that is, that is valuable and meaningful. Put your signs up. That's fine. You can have them. I, like, I don't want you to, you know, Adam told me to take my sign down and pa- what pastor says, don't do that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, we get angry. We're like, he brings peace and a bunch of world that doesn't care about Christ. Yeah, no kidding. Because this is the message of the gospel that without Christ, we could care less about who he was, is. He did something in us. He came to us. He approached us and saved us. That is what brings life and light and why we do some of the things that we do. Look, you know, you're like, ooh, weird candles today. And we're, we're reading some things. Like, we don't, I don't, I've never seen that. I don't do that. Or maybe you're used to a lot more of that. Look, we're so far removed from, from formality and from things that, that just feel very, you know, churchy at times. And we do that purposefully. We want this to be an environment where anyone can come in and feel like they understand what's going on. But there are times when we need to, like, like draw our attention to something tangible that reminds us that Jesus is different and that this season is meant to be different. It's a reminder. 
the incarnation, God putting on flesh, is a big deal for us, for, for Christians, for the Christian faith. It's huge. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, the central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. They say that God became man. Every other miracle prepares for this or exhibits this or results from this. This is huge for Christianity, for those who follow Jesus, who have put their faith in Jesus. This is an important topic. We call it doctrine. So we're going to look at that today, next Sunday, the next few Sundays. See, our challenge is to get, to get past all the other stuff surrounding this season and really focus on this particular giant truth, which impacts everything. It changed human history, and it changes our lives. See, here's the, here's the deal, right? Jesus was actually born. He actually existed. This is, that part of it doesn't take a lot of faith. No guessing. Jesus is a historical figure. Now, the question is, and the question that we have to wrestle with is, and, and the question we have to answer is this, who, who was he really? Who is he really? Just another baby born? Or, like the scripture says, the one who came to save his people from their sins. Is he God? Or is he just another teacher? Human, did some good things. That's why Matthew opens up this book. We jumped in at verse 18, but he opens up the first 17 verses with this lineage. He traces Jesus' lineage from Abraham and showing that he's the son of David. This is a big deal. We'll talk about it in a little bit. To show this isn't a fairy tale. Once upon a time, a man, Jesus, was born. And no, no, no. Here's the, line of, here's the line of Jesus. Abraham and this and this and this and David and this. And here's the generations that, that came between, like presenting this as an important fact in history. You see, if we believe that he is truly the son of God, then it changes everything, everything. And when we can get that truth in us, understanding that the God of the universe gave himself to be with us, we, we will never be the same. We can't be the same. And it will drastically, radically change the way that we see the world, the way that we love people, the way that we purpose our lives, the way that we set goals, the way that we process information, the way that we value life, all of it. And so we're going to focus in on that word with, for a few weeks, if God is, if God is with us, what does he bring with him to us? But today it's just about God with us. Just kind of unpacking that. How does it change our life? What does it mean that he's with us? What does it mean for us? If God is with us, what does it mean for us? And here's the thing. Here's what we're going to look at. Three things, okay? If God is with us, then it gives us closeness. It gives us confidence and it gives us community. Those three elements. Closeness, 
confidence and community. Let's talk about closeness for a second. And as I talk about this, I want to give some context to this passage. Okay, so this is, this is Matthew's book, right? The, the gospel according to Matthew is hopefully the top of your Bible says some way, shape, or form. In case if you don't have a Bible and all you're doing is looking at it on the screens, this is what's happening. This is the beginning of the gospel of Matthew. It's a, it's a book, a, a genre of literature that is written in the New Testament to, to tell us the life of Jesus. It's a, it's a biography. It's, it's to give an account. It's a narrative. It's, a, it's, it's not a story, but it's telling it in story form, right? It's not just a letter from, like Paul writes sometimes to churches like Ephesians or Galatians. This is a very specific, purposeful book in the Bible, there's four different Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And it sets the foundation for all of Christian teaching, okay? It, it's where we, we start to understand what the Gospel really is, right? Everything we read in other books of the New Testament, it begins here. You're thinking about, oh, how do I read the Bible? Where do I start? Where do I start? I would go to one of these Gospels and just start. Read it from beginning to end. Don't Go to the middle of the book and find verses that help your life. Start in the beginning, trudge your way through the lineage, and start to understand who Jesus is. Okay? We have this, this historic account of who Jesus is, and then we get immediately to this to this story about his birth. And this is a wild story. It is incredible. And it focuses a little more on Joseph here, right? When we read Luke, he's giving a different kind of perspective on the story. He talks a lot about Mary and a lot about her journey and her, her conversation with her cousin Elizabeth. But here in Matthew, we see, we see a lot dealing with Joseph in the beginning because Joseph is of the line of David. And, and that, that's an important piece to the puzzle. And so Joseph is... Is, is, is engaged to be married to Mary, okay? He's going to ma- marry Mary. Marry Mary. Two R's to one R, okay? Um, now, this isn't like our engagements, right? We get engaged and we're like, eh, you know, maybe we'll, maybe it'll happen. We're hoping so. Fingers crossed, right? It's, Maybe a little more meaningful than that. But look, it's, the point is, it's not the same as what they're talking about there. Because you see that word in there, it's betrothed. <laughs> You're like, what does that mean? All right, so betrothed, and in that culture, when you were engaged, it was as if you, I mean, that was it. Like, it was pretty legal. You, you were married before you were married. And so that's why it says, right, like, he, was gonna, he, finds, out, he finds out that she's with a baby, which... You know, for us now, we'd, we'd flip out. Back then, this would be bad. Like, no, Joseph, I'm telling you, it's, it's from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I'm no, I'm no dummy, Mary. <laughs> what, are you kidding me? But he's like, he loves her. He's a just man. He doesn't want to shame her. But he's like, I have to divorce you. And you're like, well, they're engaged. How are you get divorced? That shows you how intense the engagement was, okay? He was going to quietly divorce her. So th- this would have been scandalous, beyond scandalous, that she was with a child, okay? And, and so God sh- meets Joseph, 
Before he does any of this, he's ready to divorce her, and God meets Joseph and says, listen, no, this really is what's happening, and I need you to understand. This isn't a joke. Mary didn't do anything wrong. This baby is the Savior of the world. And, and the angel of the Lord even tells him, listen, this is how important it is. I'm telling you what you're going to name your child. <laughs> Naming was a big deal. Naming your child was, was huge. We all who have kids, we know, like we agonize over names at times. And back then, even more so, the name really meant something. And so to, for this angel of God, for, for the Lord basically himself to say, listen, I want, this is what his name is going to be. It will be Emmanuel. And it shows us how powerful this name is and what it means for us. That God is not only near, but he is with. God is not only near you, he is with you. Sometimes we just, we think about the world around us. We're like, yeah, God is around and he's everywhere. No, no, it's much more than that. Yes, he is around you, he is near you, but he is with you. And, and God is coming to, to the parents and saying, this is what his job is going to be. It's not just that I am, you know, I'm close to you right now and God, you know, this baby is going to be with you. No, no, I am with you. He will be with you and not just with you. He will be with everyone. Not just a promise for then, but a promise for us now and for always. At the end of Jesus's life, he, he says this to his people and to us, he said, behold, I am with you, say it, always to the end of the age. Isn't it interesting that the beginning of Matthew and the end of Matthew highlights this truth? God with us. And as he's leaving, he's not really leaving. I am going to be with you always. Closeness. It's what we want in life. We want, I know, some of us don't want anybody around. We're just like, I don't, want, I don't want you close. Give me room. This is my bubble. Stay back from the, you know, give me space. But in reality, we do need that. We want that. Even if it's from a select few, we want there to be some element of closeness in our life to where we know that someone is with us. They're not, you know, if someone's with you in like, you know, your group or your, your friends, your family, wh whatever that is, you want them near, physically near, right? It's, it's different when you walk into a party, right, or an event and you're alone, you're by yourself, there might be lots of people around. You might even know people. But when you go with someone into that room, there's something that happens, man. You're just you're more confident. You're, you're ready for, for what, like there's, there's buffers. Like there's, there's just support. It brings strength. It brings so much. And one of the things that that closeness brings here is, is restoration. It's restoration. Closeness, presence, right? God's presence. The, the whole purpose of this baby coming is to, bring, is to bring with him this restorative act, this restorative power. Look at what it does to Joseph just in that moment. Joseph's like ready to wash his hands of this and step back. Even though he's doing it probably graciously, he's, he's like, this is it. We can't have relationships. 
God says, no, 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 you absolutely can. I am a God who restores, and there is restoration that takes place. And that is a theme that takes place all through the Bible. Where God's presence comes, restoration comes. We use the term wholeness here. Restoration is another way to, to, to think about it. As much as this cosmic event impacted Joseph and Mary and the crew at that time, it, it impacted all of us and all of humanity. And it was a restoring of so much that had happened in biblical history up to that point. Man's separation from God is real. And, and all of us, if we don't reconcile with this baby being born, we will all be separated from him. If we don't, if we don't trust this with us, this God with us for the salvation of our souls, we, if, we, if we don't accept that closeness that he wants to bring, we will not be restored in relationship to our God. See, in the beginning, in the garden, right? You've heard of the Garden of Eden. There was a, there was a breaking of relationship. God had been present with us, with humans, but there was a fall that took place. We sinned against God, Adam, Eve, they sinned against God, and, and God's presence was removed. They were exiled from the garden. And then from that point forward, it has been man's theme. Of, of restoring God's presence with man. And it's developed throughout Scripture as Israel develops, the people of God. That was supposed to be, that was supposed to be um, the, the people where he would reestablish his presence. And so they build a, a tabernacle. They build a temple. They have a little tabernacle in the wilderness, and then they go into the promised land of, 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 of Israel, what becomes the nation of Israel, and they build a temple there. That was supposed to be a place where God's presence would meet with his people, that closeness would be restored. But what happens? Only one person could go into that temple every year. It was just the priest. The people were separated from the presence of God. And then even at a point in biblical history, that presence is removed from the temple because of, of Israel's sin against God. And you can read the prophets like Ezekiel, and you read about this. And then, in the fullness of time, we read about it in Galatians, the fullness of time, Jesus is born. And, and Matthew tells us that his birth took place to fulfill this promise, what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. This is huge. God with us is a, is a restoration of closeness with his people. So we don't have to be separated from God. We don't, have to, we, don't, we don't have to go elect one person who has that special relationship with God to go into the temple and have connection with him. No, God is with us and he will be with us. He dwells in us. That is good news it means that we're never alone. It means that we are always connected to the one who is over all things. So with us means it gives us closeness. It also, because of all that, gives us confidence. Look, Christmas is coming. Um, yeah, there's a lot with that. Chaos of, I mean, there's already... Now, way too many people on the road. <clears throat> Everybody's driving as though 
I don't even know what, I don't know how to describe it, but it's filling up. And as Christmas is coming, we have like gift anticipations or the stress of like buying gifts for other people. And it's funny, it was like, you know, you know how if you really want your friends or your family to buy you what, what you want, you just talk about the gift in front of them when they have their phone. Because next time they open up their browser, this is the power of your phones. And with, next time they open up their browser, it's going to show them that it's going to give them advertisements for that toy or that, or that gift or that car or, you know, whatever it is. And they're like, oh, was someone talking about that? Like, this, that's, that's how you get the gifts you want now. This is, this is the new day. Look, confidence is the hope that, that someone is listening, right? And not, we don't want it to be Siri or Alexa or, or Google. Like we, we want someone more powerful than that to be listening. And confidence is knowing not only that they can listen, but that they can make a difference. Jesus is listening, and he can make a difference. He is with you. He is God with you. He is God with us. That brings a confidence in us because we live in a world where we are barely confident in anything. And it's just getting worse. We live in a world where nothing is clear. It's hard to have confidence in anything. Emmanuel is there to give us the thing that we need most, which is hope and confidence and strength to to believe that there is more, that there is Help. And see, all of this was, was prophesied. See, and that, that's what strengthens the confidence. That's why God with us is so important. Look what it said in verses 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Well, what prophet is that? That's the prophet Isaiah. Just leave this up for a second. Because the prophet during that time in Isaiah 7, he was, he was talking to a king. His name was Ahaz. And he was telling the king, the king was about to be invaded by foreign armies. And he's like, listen, there is hope. There is a God that will be with you. There's a God out there that is with us. And Ahaz, wa- Ahaz wanted nothing to do with a God that was with us. And Isaiah told him a person would come in the fullness of time to be with his people. Ahaz wanted nothing to do with it, and Israel went through so much misery through all this time. But this is now, this is the fulfillment of this, right? So this is the prophecy coming true, that there is going to be a son born at a perfect time. He is going to be named Emmanuel, God with us. That fulfillment is huge because that brings confidence to the people. It brings confidence to us. We're we're told this because it's meant to make our faith strong. It's meant to give us hope. Hope and confidence in who God is, that he is is with us. Where we have a world where there is little confidence in in anything. Jesus' birth is a confirmation that, that God's with us. That no matter what you're going through, that no matter what you have done, You can know that he is with you. Even when none of it makes sense, you can know that God is with you. And it's funny, his name is is meant to be a source of confidence. See, it's not just Emmanuel, right? That's kind of the, the prophecy name. That's like the big picture name. But what's his, like, he didn't walk around where people were like, hey, Emmanuel. Like, no, that's, that's, that's not it. What was his name? 
was Jesus. And what does it say? It says, she'll bear a son. He says, don't worry, Joseph. Mary's going to bear a son, and you're going to call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Why does he say, for he will? Like, what does is, what is Jesus' name have to do with any kind of delivering or salvation of sins? I mean, that should be the question. I'm going to name him Jesus because that name is attached to saving people from their sins. Well, what is he talking about? This is so good. This is why it's meant to bring us confidence. It's meant to bring us hope because that name Jesus is from the Hebrew name Joshua. Okay? The Hebrew name Joshua, and that name, Joshua, means deliverer. It means the one who saves. It means the Lord is salvation. And what it does is it's meant to bring to mind Joshua from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew Bible. There was, you've heard of Moses, and Moses was you know, delivering the, the slaves of Israel out of Egypt and bringing them into what was called the promised land. And Moses was with this people, taking them out of Egypt and, and, and wandering the desert for 40 years. And you know, he was supposed to bring them into the, the promised land. And then at the last minute, God says, no, actually, you are not going to take them in. Joshua is going to take them in. And so Moses changes. His name actually wasn't even Joshua at the time. It was Oshia. And, and Moses takes his name, this man that was Oshia, and he says, you're now called Joshua because you were going to be the deliverer. You're going to deliver the people from their slavery. You're going to deliver the people from, from their hopelessness, from their wanderings in the desert, from their thirst, from their hunger, from their hopelessness. You're going to bring them into the land. Joshua. And so this baby's being born, and God says, this is Joshua. You're going to call him Jesus, and he is going to do what Joshua couldn't do. Joshua delivered them into the, into the land, this physical piece of property, but that wasn't enough. See, that couldn't save Israel from their deepest need. Their deepest need was not a new house. Their, their deepest need was a new soul. Their deepest need was a, a rejuvenated, a restored, a re resurrected soul and spirit because they were full of sin. And just like all of humanity is full of sin, Joshua could not deliver the people from their sins. He couldn't save them from their sins. And so Jesus is the new Joshua who comes in to deliver his people, who saves his people from their sins. This is the good news of the gospel. This is why this baby that's being born, God with with us is so powerful. Joshua couldn't do it, but this Joshua does. And where that Joshua eventually dies and a new person comes up to take his place, this Joshua couldn't die. They thought they killed him, but he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he is then with us. That is good news. That is the hope of the gospel. That is what it's what we sing about. It's what we, we need to be about. This is what with us gives us. That 
that salvation, that is confidence for us to know that God is working. He is, he is not leaving us. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And then we learn that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Like th- There is this over and over again language as we read the Bible that there is this attachment that God has with us because he is strong. Because he came to us. We didn't go to him. He has us. He holds us. That gives us confidence. That gives us a lot of strength, a lot of hope. That's walking into the party, you know, with, with your group, with your friends. That Like, you know, there is, there is help with you. There is support, strength, right? It's better than our stupid little phones. It's better than any person that can, can stand with you in the face of trouble. God is with you. He is never, ever, ever going to let you go. That should give you hope and confidence. And so that's what, that's what it gives us. And I'm going I'm to ask the worship team to come up. But, but he, here's the final piece. With us gives us community. Okay? So this is a big deal. Because a lot of what, what I've talked about at this point was, you know, about how God has, has met us individually. But look, it is bigger than that. It is much bigger than that. It's much better than that. See, it's not God with me. Emmanuel is not God with me. It is God with what? Us. We are in us. I am in us. Me became in us. This is, this is super important. Okay? Because this us right here, we, we take those things seriously. But it's not just even us in this room. It's us with all the other us's that are spread throughout South Florida, spread throughout Florida, spread throughout the, the, the country, spread throughout the world. Like we are a part of a people. God with us is communal. It's not individualistic. He comes to me so that I could become something better and bigger. I can become an us. And so what it does is it gives us greater connection to God, but also to one another. And this changes us, man. It needs to change the way that we look at each other. When you look around this room and when you go out into the world, do you just see enemies all around you or do you, are you just looking for people who fall into your camp or are you understanding that there is something bigger and better that God is wanting to do through you to make you and us I said it before, we're constantly near people, we're crowded, but that doesn't give us community, that doesn't give us belonging. The things that we want in this world is, is, <clears throat> is to be connected, is to really have meaningful community and relationship, man. It's, it's, it's why networks on, on digital media are so strong and powerful. It's why news outlets are trying to polarize and isolate and create their group and their niche. Everything else that you let yourself be discipled by will will try to turn you into an us. It's just the wrong us. If you're just filling your head constantly with, with stuff besides this stuff, you will drift continually into that group, that that community, and it will fortify you and it'll get strengthened. You will dig in more and more and more. And become less and less and less like Emmanuel wants you to be. Fight for the community that God has put you in. 
give yourself more to the community that God has made you, that he came to you to be born on this earth to make you a part of his family, of his community. He came to give us the thing that we all want. We want family. We want belonging. We want significance. We want worth. And we are constantly moving from one group to the next, trying to find where we belong, trying to find that that place where everybody just agrees and makes it as comfortable as possible. And then we want to push everybody out. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Listen, that it, this community is much bigger than you think. And you need to treat people differently because of this truth. This is quote, I almost didn't give it to you because it's rather long and <clears throat> sometimes it's a little bit hard to, to wrestle through, but I, I want to give it because I think it's important. This is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. Um, this is what he says. In the incarnation, so we're talking about the birth of Christ, the whole human race recovers the dignity of the image of God. The whole human race recovers the dignity of the image of God. Henceforth, any attack, even on the least of men, is an attack on Christ, who took the form of man and in his own person restored the image of God in all that bears a human form. We're not done. Through fellowship and communion with the incarnate Lord. So the more that we connect with God, the more that we have relationship with, with this incarnate God, we recover our true humanity. And at the same time, this is so great, we are delivered from that individualism, which is the consequence of sin, which we all as Americans, we love individualism. Right? It, it, res- it rescues us. It delivers from that individualism and retrieves our solidarity with the whole human race. We know that we have been taken up and born in the humanity of Jesus. And we too must bear the sins and the sorrows of others. The incarnate Lord makes his followers the brothers of all mankind. We'll post this somewhere so you can read the whole thing without it being broken up. I, this is powerful. This is, if you're asking, what does the incarnation do? What, why did, you know, Christmas, yeah, peace on earth, joy to the world, blah, blah, blah. Right? We sing it so much, it's just dead to us. We're like little drummer boy. You know, like, what, what, what is this? Christ being born, the Savior of the world who will save his people from their sins, this baby being born in the line of David to fulfill prophecy so that he would be the king that David could never be. He would be the deliverer that Joshua could never be. He will be the father that Abraham could never be. Like he does all of it. And this changes us, not just in how we view God, but how we view each other and how we treat each other and how we process world events and how we process the disagreements and the differences that we all possess. We need to celebrate those and we need to see the dignity of man inherent because they have been made in the image of God and it makes us brothers and sisters of all mankind. And so how we treat, how, how, we, how we handle one another is a direct reflection on how we view the incarnation of Christ. Do you know him. God with us.
God with us. Ask you a question. Are you with him? Not just during Christmas, not just because you hang lights on your house, not just because this is the season where church becomes mandatory. He is with you. Are you with him? If you're unsure of that, if you're unsure of the answer to that question, then let me just help fill that out for you. And maybe you think it's no question. Yeah, I'm with him. I'm with God. I've known, I've known God. I know. Let me just give it in some categories. Believe in him. Right? We're not saying things like accept Jesus into your heart. Really, it's really not in the Bible. Believe is in the Bible. Believe in him. That means you trust, you have faith, and you exercise that trust in him. Believe in him. Surrender your life to him. Not to me, not to this church, not to your boss, not even to your spouse, not to your kids. Surrender your life to the one who is with you always, who, is, who created you, who made you. You believe in him and you surrender your life. That means what he says to do, you do. What he says to not do, you don't do. But at the whole time, you are trusting in the grace that is given to you through his life. Believe in him, you surrender to him, and you live for him. And the, the biggest way that you're going to live for him is not just taking up a cause or posting really profound things on social media. The way that you're going to live for him is how you treat other people, primarily. Believe in him, surrender to him, live for him. God has come to you to love you, save you, give you everything of himself. Are you ready to respond in faith to Emmanuel? Let's stand together. Father, you are good. You are so big. And, and it's during Christmas time that we, we actually, we don't really make you bigger usually. We make you a lot smaller because we set you up on our countertops in a little figurine. And we say, look at the little baby Jesus. No, you are huge. You are magnificent. You, you are the, the, the universe is, is contained in your hands and you have numbered the stars. You have given life to all of creation, to all of humanity, and you claim everything as yours in this universe. God, we are not trying to make you bigger from, from a microscope's perspective. We're trying to encapsulate something so big as though we're looking at it through a telescope to see the bigness of God so that we can understand it. And so as we think about you being with us. God, I pray that it would make you so large in our mind that it would change radically the way that we think and love and act and, and believe as we step forward in this season. As 2021 comes to an end, that we would be so amazed at who you are that we will look different, live different, believe differently. 
in response to your greatness, God. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's sing, church.